In this episode of the Creators Are Brands podcast, we talk to my good friend, Zach Hanavar. Zach Hanavar is on the pulse of this creator economy. Him and his team are the people behind some of the biggest creators in the world, from YouTubers to TikTokers. His company is called One Day Entertainment, where they believe creators and artists shouldn't be treated like influencers. They should be treated like startups. They need managers who act like CEOs, not agents. That's such a great way of looking at this space and it's honestly why i wanted him on this show he's someone that has his unique outlook he has a unique stance on the business operations of a creator the marketing of a creator and he really deeply cares about these individuals that he works with so i want to talk to him i want him to shoot us straight i want him to give us some insights on you know how he identifies talent what he's looking for when he's working with creators how musicians could learn from the creator economy how the creator could learn from musicians and kind of because he's worked in both spaces uh and then what we do is we break down his tweets so he has a lot of fantastic tweets and i was like you know what what we're gonna do is i'm gonna bring his tweets up and we're gonna read them and i sometimes tweets are the tip of the iceberg for someone's way of thinking and in my experience of getting to know zach he has frameworks he has ways of seeing the world that have helped me with my content he's someone that even if you follow the bonus footage content he's someone that supported that content early on he, he we were having a call about something else and he looked at me and he said yo you've got to double down on that like he he's able to see potential and he's able to support the potential and that's what this show is all about uh you know it's it's all about giving people insights into this creator world that are going to help you in some way shape or form and since he's so close to it close to this world it made so much sense to have him on the show so all right i've been blabbing for a little bit let's get into the show with my buddy zach conovar something we talk about a lot on this podcast is monetizing your content as a storyteller that's why i'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor lumanu this is the platform that i use that makes working with brands and getting paid easier so i can focus my time doing what i love the most creating content and connecting with you you've heard me talk about how we need to Stop looking at brands as a one-off transaction, rather seek to build a relationship with them. Well, the best way to build a relationship is through effective communication. And Lumano has a collabs feature that simplifies the communication process with the brand you are working with. Imagine having email, Google Docs, Dropbox, and payments all in one place. So when it comes to expectations, deliverables, and timing, you can literally stay on the same page with the brand you are working with. You can also request and receive your payment from brand partners for no fees. So when you request your hard-earned bread through Lumanu, an invoice is generated and magically sent to your client's inbox. Then they are able to pay you with the click of a button. So stop using PayPal to send invoices unless you're selling your used air conditioner to your neighbor and start treating your creator business like a professional. Price what you deserve at Lumanu.com. Coming out the gate. What is the biggest misconception about what it takes to become a successful manager, a manager of talent? What, like, what, what is, what are the tropes out there that you're saying, nah, throw them, throw those to the wind? I think the most common one is I see a lot of people that think that in order to become a successful manager, you need to have a lot of established relationships in the industry. Like, you need to know a lot of people, whether those people are in traditional Hollywood or whether those are in YouTube or working at companies like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Um, And I think that's completely wrong. I don't think uh, that that is a prerequisite for success for a manager. I think relationships can be developed 
and they help. Um, but I do think that it's completely possible to become a successful manager with no established relationships in the industry at all. All right. Well, that leads me to my second question. How did you go about building key relationships? Did you wait until you moved to California or were you doing this before you even went out there? Good question. I was doing it a little bit before I moved out here, uh, just setting up like FaceTime calls or like Google calls. I'm trying to think about what we used before Zoom because uh, it was a while before then. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were, so I was just like hopping on calls with people. Uh, anyone who said that they knew a YouTube creator or knew what was going on in the YouTube space, I was also like really hell bent at the time on like learning about brand building. So it was about like helping the Yes Theory mm. guys build Seek Discomfort. And I was like trying to build relationships with people that can help me do that. Um, so that was like my big thing at the time. And then when I got to LA, the way that I did that was I tried to get people to connect me with other people that they knew. I would try to say like, hey, I'm good at these things so I can help people who need help in these areas and here's where I need help. So if you know people, please introduce me. And they might introduce me to someone and say like, oh, Zach worked at Shopify. Like you're trying to start an e-commerce brand. Zach can help you. Uh, this person's in the creative space and you know they can probably help you with like navigating the YouTube world. And then I would ask them at the end of our conversation if I thought it went well and I thought that they were like, you know, it was a mutually beneficial conversation. I'd say like, hey, I just moved here. Is there anyone else in the city that you think like I could have a really valuable conversation with or that I could be helpful to? And more times than not, they'd say, yeah, you know what? Like, I think my buddy Joe like is starting the startup and they're looking to like collaborate with YouTubers. Like you should meet that person. And I would just do that and ask that question at the end of every conversation. I actually had a goal that I was going to meet Scooter Braun within 30 introductions. Did, I know you met him. Did you do it by the 30, the 30 introductions? That's the question. I was six introductions in. Uh, mm. I had been in LA for three weeks, but I didn't meet him because of the introductions. I just serendipitously with the way the universe worked. Uh, he got in contact with the S yes theory guys and we ended up in his office uh, but that, I remember telling someone that that was the goal and they were like, dude, you can do that a lot faster than 30 introductions. Um, and so it happened very serendipitously, but that was actually the goal it was like, oh, I'm going to play this networking game where one person introduces me to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And hopefully I can get 30 introductions away from getting introduced to a scooter. Um, and then it happened even before that. So I kind of put it out there in the universe and then it kind of happened faster. Oh, that's a beautiful thing. I think it's so important to set your your course right like you you, you're like this is where i want to go instead of just saying like oh i'm gonna go figure it out you had this mission in mind and you ended up uh uh, achieving it way quicker than than you you actually could have ever believed now when you and i were working together last year with a young artist we were you know collaborating on you know unofficially behind the scenes um but but we were we were helping a young artist get exposure i noticed your ability to send cold emails like you were a master at it you know people would respond to you i'm curious like what's what's like one tip you would give a young manager a young creator that's trying to reach out to someone via a cold email like what is like what is something they should focus on doing and what's something they should avoid doing if they're trying to reach something that's out feel they feel like is out of their network a little higher than than where they are now i think like the main tips are keep it short and concise uh, I see way too many like cold emails that are like novels 
and they're like getting into way too much detail. Like you don't want to give up all, like people want to explain everything because they want to like get a conversation. But I think what you want to create is just a level of professionality and intrigue and then let those other things be explained afterwards. Um, And so I would say like short and professional. Um, And then I think also just personalized. So like, for example, if I was reaching out to you and I didn't know you and I wanted to like be your editor, right, for the podcast, I would reach out and I would say, hey, Tom, uh, just finished listening to your podcast episode with Zach. Really loved it. My favorite part was when you asked him the question about, you know, what it takes to be the common Mm. misconceptions of becoming a manager. Love that you asked that question. So automatically it's personalized and you're reading it being like, oh, they freaking listen to my podcast. They took the time. And then I would say. I'm sure that like, and then I would identify a problem that you're dealing with in my mind that I, I would like, okay, what's Tom probably dealing with? Hey, Tom, as you're growing this podcast, you're trying to get more episodes out. I assume you're probably running into bandwidth issues and balancing this on top of your full-time job must be hard. Um, if you're ever looking for an editor, I've done XYZ, give social proof so that people know that you're established and you have a little bit of experience. If you're interested in chatting further, please let me know. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks. Bye. And then follow up. If Tom doesn't answer, then you're hitting him back in five days being like very short and simple. Hey, Tom, just wanted to follow up on this. Any chance you got a moment to look at my email? Would love to talk to you about how I can help you with editing. And then if he doesn't answer, I would respond. I would reply once again and say like, Hey, I just, Tom really think that I can help exponentially grow the quantity of podcast episodes you put out there. Did you know that Tim Ferriss didn't actually get, you know, 100,000 followers on his podcast until his 500th episode? Would love to get you to 500 episodes. Like, let's chat. Um, And just like little things like that where I would try to make it like a fun thing. Yeah, you basically just gave a little copywriting course. I mean, especially someone like you, you probably get these types of emails all the time in the position you're in. So you've seen a lot how to do it the wrong way. And I'm sure that's probably helps you see, you know, how do people actually want to receive these types of emails? Yeah, I think one of the things that I would say most is, uh, especially when you're reaching out to someone who is of like a high stature and is really busy and they own multiple businesses or they're an entrepreneur, you really have to think about what problems are they facing. Um, and that's a question that if you can't solve the answer to that question, or you can't even brainstorm some options of what it could be, like you probably aren't adding value to that person's life if you don't understand what they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if you can nail down the problems that they're facing, then you can get that to stand out because a lot of people will reach out with something that they're trying to offer you. So people might reach out to me and say, Hey Zach, like I'm part of, I have like a CRM software tool. You should use it. And like, Sure, maybe it can make my life a little bit simple, like more like more straightforward, and maybe it can take away some of my complexity in my day to day. But my world is so many fires around me that I'm dealing with constantly that like that's not you're not driving enough of a problem. But if someone were to reach out to yeah. me and say like, "Hey Zach, I know that as a manager, you probably spend hours invoicing your clients' brands uh, per month. Imagine that you could save all that time." Uh, how much time, what would you do with that time? Here's my product and like, go take a look. I bet you I could save you 10 hours a month. Uh, and then I'm like, whoa, okay, that's, you've driven pain. You've given me a solution. It's a lot more simple. I do face that problem every day. And if I don't, then like, who cares that we weren't a fit anyway? So yeah, that's that. 
And and guys, if you're listening, this is someone that is extreme, like highly sought after. So let, let, get a notepad out as, and, and pay attention here. Pay attention. You know what's funny? Um, uh, I was listening to the uh, Kate Wars podcast with uh, on hashtag paid. And she she mentioned you're like you know you guys collaborate you you guys are a force over there at One Day Entertainment and she she brought up this concept of sparkle of the sparkle uh, can you give me a little insight about like what from your perspective when you see the sparkle the the it factor in a creator in a, in in talent what what is that like what does that mean to you Yeah, that's a really good question. Honestly, I think Kate identifies the sparkle better than I do. I think she has like a an eye for it more than I do. I think I'm very pragmatic and rational and I don't have the same intuitive sense of someone's like emotion as Kate does. Um, but I think that's why we make why we have such a good partnership. I think for me it's it's honestly more of perceiving their actions to match their words. So that's the thing that stands out to me is I hear what someone says and then I go, do I think that they're right? Do I respect what they're saying? And then I wait and then I see if they do the things that abide and match those words. And if those match, then I go, okay, that's really good. I can work with this person. But if I hear I want to be the biggest artist in the world or I want to be the biggest creator in the world and building a community is important for me and I'm not just doing this for the numbers – and I'm like hearing those things being like, yeah, yeah, you're, you're right. Oh my God, finally, someone who gets it. They're not just doing it for the numbers. They're trying to build community. They don't just care about views. They want to tell good stories. And then I see them stress over the views that they're getting and sacrifice their story so that they have a punchier title just so they, they can get more views and they don't give a fuck about their community. So they're like pitching shit that they don't give a fuck about so they can make some money. Then I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is completely misaligned with what you had told me. And that's like my cut and like that's what i look for whereas i think the sparkle yeah. that kate sees is does this person have the charisma that when they walk into a room they feel like they're either famous and that people know them or that they should be famous and people should know them mm -hmm. um and i think that that's probably i don't know what that is but i think like she has a really good knack for for seeing that in people and you know, it, I, I'm curious. It's coming up now. This is not on my my list of questions, but I think it's so cool when I see uh, talent like you and Kate collaborating together. And your team is expanding and getting bigger now. If you were like, how how do you explain your guys' relationships? Like, how, like how do you guys fit together, and what makes you guys work so well? It's really hard to say, man. I think I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I think I got really lucky because I think. I think like when you're passionate about something and when you're building it for the right reasons and you have a really good intention deep down, I think you attract good people around you. And so I think yeah. I was doing something that was intrinsically chasing what my heart was telling me and that attracted someone like Kate to message me. And uh, I think what I've potentially done really well is like I've thought about and as soon as I think someone takes a bet on me, I want to prove that person right. Kate took mm -hmm. a bet to come work with me and I wanted to make sure that she will always look back on that decision and be like, I made the right fucking bet and, I'm, and that was a yep. good decision for me to make. 
So I'm always thinking about, okay, how does Kate become the most successful version of Kate forever? And I think she knows that. And then it's also then doubles down on me as an individual. And so I'm thinking about Kate and her longevity and her success of her career always, whether that's at One Day Entertainment or not. Um, and I think about that now with other additions to One Day Entertainment. Now I have Benji who works with me and I think the same way. Oh my God, you came and you dedicated all this time to what I was like initially building. You believed in it. You sacrificed other opportunities to come do this. Okay, whatever you need, I'm going to invest back into you, whether it's with me or not. If you need introductions, you need my Rolodex, you need advice or tips or money, like I'll give back to you. So I think it's like a strong sense of loyalty that's very, very important where we are mutually invested in each other as human beings beyond just the business goals of one day entertainment. Because like, to be honest, I think of the team as people that I care more about more than actually one day entertainment. Um, and I think that that creates yeah. a camaraderie that works really well. That's such an, an incredible way of thinking about it. And, uh, you know, I'll, I've been in the entertainment industry for, for a good amount of years and now, you know, working with collaborating with people you have too. you've seen all types of relationships. And that's just one thing, like the team building aspect. It's in like the entertainment world. It's it's you can't learn it in school. Like so like these principles that like these frameworks like that, that way of thinking about your team, I think is so neat because again like you talked about like that loyal lo loyalty thinking about the other person's success more than yours that just that just makes you communicate in a way to each other that is like that is always going to be um encouraging uh honest and and upfront you I mean, honestly my favorite thing about you is how direct you are like you you cut straight to it uh i remember one time i brought i'm going off on a tangent i remember i brought you an idea it was like a a, a project i was working on and you like straight up call me and you're like yeah uh this the, the pain point for this isn't big enough <laughs> and like i was like four months of work down the drain but like you weren't wrong i was i was like so mad that like you actually told me like like no, no none of my other friends had the balls to tell me that but you were like yo but it saved me so much time in the long run and like that's what honesty does it cuts straight to it it's a gift and a curse on the honesty part it's just naturally who i am i think sometimes i can be too blunt for people and sometimes it gets me in trouble um because I don't take people's emotions into consideration and I just tell them directly what I think. In my mind, right, like if you bring me the project and your goal is to have the project do the best it can, I always think that me just giving you the most blunt feedback is good. And if you disagree, then you'll tell me yeah. you disagree and then we hash it out, right? But sometimes people don't, they're not, they don't have the ability to have that hard discussion. So when I tell them, yo, I think that sucks and here's why, they shrivel up into a ball and then they don't want to discuss it. And so I've learned also that there's yeah. not just one way of communication and I'm probably not always right. I have to learn to read the other person and give feedback in a way that can be not as blunt, uh, but can still have a good outcome. I'm curious when you first or Kay first reached out to you, what was the context? Was it just, Hey, I like what you're doing. Uh, I, I want to go back to that. Cause I love the, like, I love the serendipity of a creative team coming together, like out of thin air, you know, how did she initially reach out and what was like the first project? So she reached out and she's, so Kate's a writer, uh, by trade. And so she wrote, reached out and said, Hey, I wrote an article about yes, Theory's business model. Uh, here's the link. If you want to read it, like, let me know what you think. Like, bye. And then I read the article. I love it. Uh, cause I thought that that was interesting that someone would do that. And the article was really well written. 
it had really nailed down the way that I was thinking about the business model. Um, and it wasn't like obvious. It was basically like, you know, brands like Nike start with a shoe and then they try to build a lifestyle with a motto and a philosophy. Um, yes, theory started with the lifestyle and the philosophy and then tries to tie in the shoe, right? Which is like seek discomfort mm -hmm. and other businesses. Um, and I was like, Oh, she got it. Like that's, she nailed it. What does this girl do? And like, most people don't actually see that <laughs> yeah. part. And so we just hopped on a, we just hopped on a call. Um, and then she was like, Oh, you know, I'm kind of like, uh, in between jobs, I'm like looking around doing these fun projects, freelance. And then I knew in the back of my mind, I was trying to hire my first person. Um, and so at the end of the call, I was like, well, what do you, what is your goal? Like, where do you want to get to? What's your dream thing? And she said something at the, you know, the intersection between like culture content and commerce. And I was like, okay, that sounds like what I'm doing. And then, so like, I kind of told her like, Hey, I'm hiring for this position. Are you interested? And she was like, yes. She was like, I'm going to be in LA in a week or two. Let's meet up for coffee. Um, and it was like a very instantaneous, like I knew from that phone call and it was validated on the time of meeting her. And I introduced her to Amar and Amar immediately texted me and was like, yep, this is the one. Um, and I had been looking for people for a while. Wow. So, um, we had a couple of people that just didn't work out. And so this one was like instantaneous, good fit. Um, and then it rolled. I love seeing that when people just create for other people, like she wrote an, an article and, and would say, Hey, here's my way of thinking on this. And you fell in, you adored her way of thinking after reading that you already knew her before that, that interview. I think a lot of people can, you know, in the music industry, if you want to work with a brand, just like make stuff for the people before you even meet them. <laughs> you know, what's holding you back? hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think even like, uh, creators don't do this enough where like, if a creator wants to work for, with a brand, make them a commercial or like, you want to show a brand, mm. you want to show Nike how much Nike should work with you. Okay, cool. Make them the video that you use Nike products organically in your video to make a really good commercial or like, like a video that elevates the Nike brand and then send it to them and be like, yo, I just got this new pair of Jordans or whatever. Look at this cool video I did about like jumping for your dreams and like send it to them. And then I bet you Nike was more inclined to respond when they see a 10 minute video that incorporates their product. Versus you reaching out being like, please pay me so I can go create this video. Bro, because you see like how many people on Nike's end, how many people have to like say yes to, if you just sent the idea to them, they have to have all their people aligned to agree to that. But if you just come with the product, then they just send it to one person. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Send them the money. Let, 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 let's, let's partner with them. It's very clear about how you guys can yeah. collaborate. Yeah. The person who did this, by the way, like the playbook that this is from is Charlie Rocket, who did uh, oh, yeah. he's a good friend and mentor, but Charlie Martin Rocket did this with Nike. He wanted to be a Nike athlete. He made a Nike commercial. He sent it to Nike. Nike responded and said, holy crap, this is amazing. Here's a box of shoes um, and like free Nike gear. And then he took that a step further and he got his foot in the door and then freaking became a Nike athlete and had his own freaking Nike commercial that he was in. Um, and so like that all started with him making a commercial for them first. Okay. So, so let, let's pivot. I know Charlie Rocky, he has a, a background in music. You have a lot of friends in music. You have a lot of friends in also the, the creator world, YouTubers, TikTokers, right? So I have a question. What can musicians learn from creators? 
and what can creators learn from musicians? There's a lot that musicians can learn from creators. Um, I think one of the things that they can both learn is that they're both in the attention economy. What they're they're mm-hmm. more similar than they are different. What they're all fighting for is the audience's attention. Um, it's not about streams or views. It's about attention. Um, and so I think that uh, musicians can learn from creators and from that realm of like holding ret- uh, retention of viewership. Because I think creators think about that a lot. Like what is my title and thumbnail? What is the retention in my video that gets someone to stick around? And I think musicians can learn from that. Like yeah. what is the packaging of my album or my next couple releases? And like, is that enticing for people to click on? Is even the title of my song enticing to click on? Is the story that I'm telling Spotify when I try to get them to put me on playlists, is that enticing? Um, and then also like, what is the retention? What is someone, why is someone going to click subscribe or follow on Spotify after they hear my first song? What is actually getting them to stick around so that they hear my next single and the one after that and the one after that? I think a lot of people are just like, well, if my song is good, they'll probably want to listen to me. But I don't think they put enough thought into like, what is the actual thing that gets someone to save an artist and become a real listener rather than just passively fall onto a song in a playlist and maybe save it. Um, So I think there's little things like that. And then obviously like, actually one of the main things I would say, I've been talking a lot with my good friend Toby, who's a musical artist about this. Musicians have a tendency to not want to look desperate. They don't want to make it look mm-hmm. like they are desperate for promoting their own shit. They think it's lame to hand out CDs on the boardwalk or to like beg people to play their songs or to be too adamant on like social about like, yo, stream my new single. It's out today. They want it to be like, yo, I drop a song and that shit just goes platinum and I just sit in my room and, and make the next <laughs> album and then it comes <laughs> out. That goes platinum. Then I tour. I fucking, I'm at Coachella blah, blah, blah. On the other side, creators, right? Like the top creators of the world, Logan Paul in his prime was shoving Maverick merch in every video, (laughs) in every slot he could. There was no shame to selling the merch. And he had the biggest merch numbers in the world. But he wasn't ashamed to say like, he didn't need to be like, yo, I dropped Maverick merch and that shit sold out in two minutes. I didn't say a word. No, he was like, yo, I'm gonna promote this shit 10 times in a video. And it's the biggest and I made money and I'm promoting it. And so same with when he drops music, right? Like when Logan and Jake were dropping music, it was like they were promoting that shit everywhere. And so I think artists need to put their ego aside and not be afraid of looking lame because if we are afraid of promoting our own stuff because we seem desperate, that makes no logical sense. We are supposed to promote the shit that we make so that it can sell and do well. Uh, that's literally what we're doing. It's the whole point of the thing. So I think it's just like the perception (laughs) of cool. Um, Creators don't have the traditional industry telling them all these things, so they don't have the fear. Uh, Colin and Samir just had Ty Verdes on their podcast. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he's like the perfect mix of creator and musician. Mm -hmm. And you put me on to him last year and you were like, yo, check out this guy. Like, yo, he gets it. He gets it. Like he has the marketing mind, the storytelling. But he talked about in that podcast and you brought it up a little bit, like the understanding of retention. He talked about the first bar of his song and how like that needs to be. I, like a, it's almost like your hook. It's your hook. Am I? Is, 
those first five seconds, are they going to make me listen to the next five seconds? And a lot of artists, like, they try to come in a little too cute at the beginning. They kind of smooth in, but he's like, nah, you got to hit him over the face. Exactly. I think that that, yeah, Ty is a great example too because Ty blew up making these TikToks or part of what was getting him to blow up in the beginning was like making these TikToks where he was like literally telling people that he'd Venmo them money if if they made songs or yep. videos with his songs in them on TikTok. And like most artists you'll would be caught dead telling people that they're so desperate for them to like use their song in a TikTok that they'd Venmo them money. But like he was like, no shame. Yo, please, I'm trying to blow up. I work at this fucking Verizon. Like yep. help me blow my song up. And people <laughs> were like, yeah, yeah, we'll support this dude who's like working at Verizon and trying to get by and become a big artist. And so like people get bought in. And so I think he's a great example of someone who's doing it well. So I, I have this little I, – I went through – as I was kind of thinking of questions for this interview, I was like, you know, I'm going to look at Zach's Twitter because I know that Zach's got Twitter bars. And I went on there and I got 10 of my favorite tweets of yours. I don't know if we'll get to all of them today. I know the first questions went a little long. So I'm going to read them to you, and I would just like a little context about what we're talking about here uh, because the tweet, again, it's the, you know, it's the tip of the iceberg. I want to know – where you came to these ideas and, and what your thinking is on these tweets. Tweet one, cautious like a lawyer, organized like an accountant, and courageous like an entrepreneur. Talk to me. <laughs> so uh, my whole life when I was growing up, people would say that the most important people that you need to have is a good accountant and a good lawyer. I never understood why I thought that was dumb. But as I've grown up, I've realized it's incredibly important when you talk to lawyers, they are incredibly cautious. They think that everything is the worst case scenario. So their mind mm. is meant to be trained to think about every detail. And they understand that the devil is always in the details. So I thought that like, if you can have that mindset, it's very important. An accountant yeah. is incredibly organized. Everything is in balance. Everything is checks and balances, makes sense. You know where everything is. And they're trained to think like that. Um, and so I thought that was always great. And an entrepreneur... Uh, is always courageous, willing to take risks. Um, and so I thought that like, if you can have those three things always in your mind, it's a good foundation. I love it. Okay, next one. It's a retweet from two people that we know, uh, Esprit Devore, uh, who's going to be on the show. She tweeted a quote from your friend Kate Ward. And the quote is, burnout happens when working really hard with no Wait, burnout happens when working really hard with no clear goal. I think that we need to know what we're working towards and we need to have like a destination in mind or else it's like we're spinning our tires. Um, and so I think it's a lot easier to put in the work when you have like a why attached to it uh, and you have a clear place of where you need to get to. Um, if you don't know what you're doing it for, then you will never know when to like celebrate milestones and so if you never celebrate milestones along the way, then you don't feel like you're making progress. Uh, and that is a surefire way to just like start hating whatever you're doing. Um, so I think that that I run into that at times where like I'm working really hard and nothing's happening. I always tell Kate like, yo, it's been like four months. I haven't had a W. I need to get a W so that I can give me the energy to go get another one. But it's been a while and I'm yeah. like, I'm in a drought of Ws. So like, we, let's go get one. Um, so that's kind of, yeah, I think what it's like. What's a W in your world? Is that like, uh, 
is that like a big relationship that you know brand collaboration with one of your your client your your creators a big w for me is when something comes up as an idea and then i get to see it be real and Mm. i was like oh my god we did that so like if if kate or benji and i are like sitting somewhere and we're like yo wouldn't it be crazy if like this particular creator did this thing or like launched a freaking like with Eric, yo, wouldn't it be crazy if we did a freaking live cohort based community thing for aspiring creators? Yeah. Mm. Oh my God. What if it was like 300 people and they posted once a week and like they learned through action and it looks like this, holy shit. And then head down, don't tell anyone work, 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 work. One day it launches and I look and we look around and we're like, holy shit, it's real. And people are using it and they're building friendships and then I sit back and go, W. And the work isn't done, but I get to go, holy shit, that was an idea that we like talked about eating tacos. And now it's a real business. And people it's are using real. it. That's like that's a big W. Yeah, yeah. For me too, even seeing that objectively, I love seeing my homies get W's, especially when like, you know, I remember that idea coming up. It was a seedling of an idea. And now it's, I don't know how many cohorts you are in, but I'm seeing the highlights. I'm seeing the creators in that program now get W's. And now everyone's getting W's. (laughs) It's like, it's so cool for me. It it fills my cup up. It makes me want to go harder. I feel the same way about you with even like with this thing and with, with like, uh with bonus footage with freaking creators our brands oh, i feel the same way thank you man thank you man it's just a big love fest on here we're, we're gonna keep it rolling i think this next one is a tell me if i'm wrong this might be a fabulous lyric a fabulous a fabulous <laughs> um more moves less announcements i think a lot of people can be told this more moves less announcements i actually think it's a drake bar uh is it it's, it is a rap bar it's from a song um is it it's it's some rapper that says it oh no sorry it's a it's a russ it's a russ bar y'all need to make more moves and less uh, announcements um i think in the industry i think in the entertainment industry everyone is just waiting for the press release so that they can announce some mm-hmm. shit whether they're part of a round whether they made an investment whether something launched um and everyone wants to like make the announcement that they started something or that they're doing something or that they just launched something <laughs> And I think that that's like, it's, it's a show, it's a show. And I think it's, it, I find myself being drawn to it. Like, yo, I want a big press release. I want everyone to freaking know that I launched this thing, but I like have to train myself. Like, yo, that's not what it's actually about. Like the thing is about the move. Like, are you making moves? Um, and yeah. like behind the scenes, like it doesn't matter if you launch the thing, but it doesn't pan out. Like the joke is on you. If you launch something and everyone is like, great job, go creator now. And then we just like sit on our hands and we don't do shit. Then like shame on us. Like the thing should be that there is no announcement, but the moves are being made. The outcome is just as impressive, but no one knows about it. That's the most badass thing. Um, and so that was I, I tweet a lot about like to my younger self. Uh, when I tweet, <laughs> yeah. I'm always thinking like, yo, what did I have wrong before? I love that. I mean, honestly, that's the kind of the basis of all of my bonus footage content. People are like, who are you talking to? I'm talking to my dumb ass seven years ago. That's exactly who I'm talking about. You know what cracks me up too? I remember doing it. We used to make announcements for the announcement. We used to say, hey guys, next Saturday, we're going to announce something. I'm like, like, what the heck? Yo, uh... Okay, so the next one is we often want to see our friends succeed, but we usually up 
we us- but usually up to a certain point, just as long as they don't succeed more than us. And I can relate to that. As a young creator, it's like, oh, yeah, I want my songs, my friend's song to do well, but not more or not better than mine. Damn, this is a good one, man. This is like some, yeah, this is some like philosophical shit. It's, I've, I've just noticed that as I get older, the importance of like recognizing that success is not a zero sum game is infinitely important. And, but what I mean by that is that like someone else's success does not decrease your odds of success. Um, I had a really good conversation with like a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Aru yesterday, who's a music manager, manages like top tier talent, like Logic and John Bellion. And we talked about this on like, how do you, how do you be able to like be competitive with people, but also not wish them to do poorly? Um, like your competitors or the people that you're up against or, you know, traditional Hollywood agents and managers, whatever. Um, like it's one thing to be competitive, but we shouldn't want poor outcomes for them or for them to not be successful. It's bad. It's uh, dark energy. Um, I think with your friends, everyone always wants like, yeah, their friends to become successful and to make money. But if they overshoot us, then all of a sudden we don't feel the same anymore. It's like we always want to have a little bit more and then they can always just like catch up to us. At least that's how I always felt like it was. And so I've, what I've realized or the thing that I tell myself now is that their success doesn't minimize mine and that instead of wishing or ever having the thought of like, ah, if this person could maybe like, oh, why are they being so successful or coming up with excuses of how they got there or shortcuts that they took or opportunities that they got lucky with, focus on how you could level up uh, and don't worry about uh, any, like the, the feeling of or perpetuating any negative energy. If anything, they and their success can help you um, just as much as when you're having success, it helps them. And then also not having success be the be all uh, metric that indicates like real winning. I think like what we fail to understand is that the r- real metric is happiness in my mind. So it doesn't actually matter if someone has outward facing success, but you don't know how happy that person is when they go home. All right. So this one's a little longer and it, it's, it's so practical and it's like right down the middle, but I, I appreciated it when I read it. So I threw it down here uh, with all your ducks in a row. Announce and launch it to your entire audience, but don't expect the floodgates to, to open. Set your expectations for long-term growth, not immediate riches. The beautiful, never-ending game of business is a marathon, not a sprint. And it's like, it's like yes, obvious. That's so obvious. But so many of young creators get caught off of like, you know, they see Cheeky Boyos where they're at now. And they're like, oh, like all, the, all you got to do is run around like that for three months and, and, and you do it. It's, it's just not the case. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one, man. Um, and also, by the way, I could do this like forever. I, I love this shit. Um, going through these, this is so much All fun. Right. Um, let's go. I think the thing is it goes back to the, <laughs> it goes back to the more, more moves, less announcements because when you're doing it for the announcement or what you want to happen, right? Like I think so many people's actual intrinsic desire is for the outward perception to be like, so cool, you're doing business or you have successful startup. Um, Once they get that dopamine spike, oftentimes the reason that they just have the announcement and the business never pans out or does nothing really happens afterwards is because like you just got the big announcement. Everyone thinks you're working at bomb ass startup or building bomb ass thing. Mm -hmm. But afterwards, it's usually when it gets the hardest, right? Then it's like, oh shit, 
maybe the retention of, of people wasn't as long or there's drop off or your product didn't work as well or you have tech shit that you have to need to figure out. And like the thing is getting stale and now you can't sell the next cohort. Like all of that starts to happen and you realize like, oh shit, it wasn't just enough to have the idea and bring it to life. The thing that's actually really hard is how do you actually make this thing work? Like how do you build momentum and actually have the business work with longevity? And that's actually the hardest part of any of this shit. And I think that uh, that's a very long-term game and you have to be willing to like eat shit through those times. And it's as, as, as special as you feel in the moment when you have your announcement is as shit as you feel in the moments when the thing isn't working behind the <laughs> scenes and no one's talking yeah. about it or even worse, they are talking about it. So I think like, I don't even know, I've always had the mindset, even especially with the creators that I work with of like, I get excited when things are not working very well and when things are not at their pinnacles because it means that there's like infinite work to be done. Oftentimes, whenever I have this, I don't know if it's a good tendency or a bad tendency, but when shit's really, really, really good and it's rolling and like growing exponentially and month over month, everything's like accumulating, I'm always looking around like, yo, this shit's about to stop. Oh my God, it's about to stop. Oh my God, it's about to stop. Or like, yo, no one take this for granted. It's about, the well is about to run dry. And I don't think a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people just get like very high on that, on that adrenaline. And uh, I'm always like, as soon as shit starts to suck, I try to go into like, all right, let's go. It's because especially as a manager, like it's my job to help when it's at the lowest of lows. Um, And that's when, you know, especially for a creator, if shit's hitting the fan, it's when they need you around the most. Like anyone can come be a manager and pour gas on the fire of a YouTube channel that's like crushing. But who's going to be around when that creator is going through some real ass shit or when they're facing allegations or when they're in trouble for some stuff or the videos aren't on time or the videos turn out shitty or the fans are turning on them for something. Like who's going to show up then and actually help bring the thing back? Um, I think that's a special caliber of person that I try to aspire to be. Um, and a lot of good managers have done that and I like look up to them. All right. So this next one, I think this is an important one. And this one probably um, we're talking about when it comes to money and and partnerships and, and you know sharing business together. So you have right here, write an agreement before you think you need to. Money and partnership conversations are hard but necessary. No one talks about this because it's uncomfortable, but you need to get this on the same page and in, and ensure alignment. Man, I wish I heard that it, like like when I was 21 years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's a lesson we all probably learn a little bit too late. I think that we underestimate yeah. uh, what could happen. It's like one of the, it's like that cheesy saying, maybe it's not so cheesy, but it's like, don't make promises when you're happy. Don't make, don't make statements when you're angry or yep. whatever. Like don't make insults when you're angry. Don't make promises when you're happy because our emotions often make us feel either more pessimistic or optimistic than the situation really is. And so I think again, to the point of like being cautious, like a lawyer, a lawyer would say in the worst case scenario, here's what will happen. Oh, you're going into business with your best friend and you're about to start the startup of your dreams. Okay, cool. The worst case scenario is that your best friend is a sack of crap and they're going to take it all from you and they're going to like blah, 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 blah. And they're going to change the bank account and they're going to run away with your money and then they're going to go like 
you know, hook Which up with happens. your girlfriend, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, you might think, yeah, and you might think to yourself, bro, Stuart? Stuart's not going to do that to me. I love Stuart. Me and Stuart have been best friends since we've been in the third grade. But the shit happens, and it's happened time and time again. And um, sometimes it's not even about someone screwing someone over. It's not even a bad actor situation. Sometimes it could be like Tom and I start a business, and then six months down the road, it's I'm like, yo, Tom, we said we were going to be 80-20, right? And you're like, no, no, no. I thought we were going to be 50-50. I'm like, Tom, I wouldn't have done this for the past freaking six months if I thought it was going to be 50-50. you're like, oh, I always thought this. And it's like – Oh, yeah. okay. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So then it's like, okay, we should have been so clear about the communication and it's always yep. so true that no one ever wants to have the money competition, the co- conversation because it's so uncomfortable to have money is something that we actually haven't been trained throughout school or throughout mostly most people are not trained by their parents on how to discuss money or how we should think about money. So money is like this, like faux pas thing that we avoid and and few of us actually know how to talk about or feel comfortable about making like some of us feel uncomfortable telling other people how we make or asking them how much they make or comparing and contrasting uh salaries or or compensation etc so it's just very important to lay everything out from the get-go from day one and that doesn't mean that money is the most important thing but money can always is a large indicator of things that can make a relationship or a business go south. Um, and it can affect the relationship between co-founders. So it's really important that from, from the jump, you're just really clear of like, yo, here's my expectation. And it doesn't need to be like, yo, Tom, 50, 50 or bust, bro. Day one, I'm not fucking even talking to you about a <laughs> yeah. partnership. It can just be like, yo, just so we have it clear, I'm kind of thinking that this is an equal partnership. We don't need to sign anything today, but like, what do you think? And then you come back and then we think about it for a week and then we come back again. We go talk to some people, we bring back thoughts and slowly we're moving towards a day where we go, this feels fair to me. Does it feel fair to you? And you go, this feels fair to me. Okay, cool. Sign this shit. It's linked. It's legal. We have a lawyer look at it. And then down the road, we're both protected against anything happening. And that stops any of us from six months down the road saying, oh, I thought it was this. No, 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 no. You didn't think it was anything. We signed a piece of paper that said it was this and you knew what it meant. Um, and so that's really important and often overlooked by young entrepreneurs and business people. All right. So I, we have three more. Do you have time for th- three more? And then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Okay, cool. So um, find a partner, team manager to build it with you. Remember the golden rule content comes first. I love that. I love when I hear that. Let this be someone else's priority. Give them equity ownership. Find someone passionate about the space and product and and incentivize them. So I think you're talking about like the actual partnership process between a creator and like the business that they're building. Um, I would, yeah, I guess the explanation there is kind of self-explanatory, but if you're a creator and you're starting a business, it's probably not smart for you to do on your own. Uh, starting a business is hard as we just went through. So it's going to probably distract you from the main thing that you've been doing, which is creating content, uh, which is bad because the content, if it's not good, then doesn't matter. You don't have a funnel to push t- people towards your business. So find a partner that you trust. Uh, I think the most important thing there is trust. And like you re- generally think they're a smart person and they're entrepreneurial. I think a lot of creators also feel like they need to go like, oh, they're building an app. Oh, they need to go to like top tier app builder in the world or the person who like built freaking Tinder needs to come build their app for them. No, no, no. Like 
it doesn't always need to be that person. If you can find that person and incentivize them, great. But I think you can also find someone that you trust that's hardworking and entrepreneurial, that's a problem solver to go build it um, and then let you focus on content and then incentivize them in the right ways so that they have upside so that when things get hard, it's not like a shit, my upside in this isn't even that much. Like I'm out of here. It's like, no, no, no. I have real something to gain here. So I'm going to stick through with it. Uh, Yeah, I I love that. So when you work with new creators how do you develop that trust is it is it hey we're partnering outright is there a trial period like what is it what does it look like usually when you're starting with 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 new guys or gals yeah i do a 90-day trial um where we don't sign anything and for 90 days i'm like yo uh i got this from charlie rocket too he calls it the 30 60 90 day plan so i'll sit with them and say like yo here's what i think about your business and what you should do Here's what I think we could get done in 30 days. Here's what I think we could get done in 60 days. Here's what I think we could get done in 90 days. And so I'll set it out. Here's what I'll be doing. Here's what you'll focus on. Here's what I'll focus on. No strings attached for 90 days. At the end of 90 days, we'll look back at that plan and go, what did we actually do? How did it work? What did we fall short of? What did we achieve? Um, And then we'll be like, okay, how do we actually feel about the relationship? Did it work well? Did it not work well? Did I do a good job? Did you do a good job? Um, and then we, we figure it out from there. Um, and I think trust can be developed quickly too, when you're spending time in in real life and, uh, when you just kind of get to know someone and you have really deep conversations, like that's why I always tell people, like when I'm signing someone to manage them, like I have to make sure I'm okay with talking to them every single day because that's what it requires. So I don't really care if your channel's booming and it's the hottest channel in the world. If I can't stand a conversation with you, it's not going to work. Because I'm going to have to talk to you every single day. And so it's, it's just not going to yeah. work out. Um, and so that's probably more important than, and if, you know, if, if we do enjoy talking to each other, like me and Eric are a great example. Like we love talking to each other. We'll talk about shit that's not related to work. Okay, cool. Like what's your relationship with your family? Like, yo, here's my daddy issues. Oh, you have daddy. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Oh shit. Like how do you and your girlfriend get along? Here's how me and my girlfriend get along. What's the problems you face? with like your health and fitness oh here's what i'm trying to do with my health and fitness and then all of a sudden we're like friends all the all the creators i've worked with thus far it's been like insanely trusting relationships where i have all their passwords and all their account information and all that and like i trust them with everything i let them go through my phone um like there's nothing we hide from one another and so i think that's like what it takes in order to have the synergy to move the thing forward really quickly All right. Creators wait too long until they launch a business. You don't need a million subscribers. I'm willing to bet it's best to start executing with 10,000. How do you start and what should you do? When you say launch a business, this is complementary to the content where it's just not only the content that is the the product. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm talking about like launching a clothing line or app or a website that SaaS product or or something of the sort course course, um i think you could do that with a much smaller number of of fans all right we got one more celebrity marketing is nothing new but how it's leverage and position makes all the difference between success and failure it's not just about paying creators celebs but about empowering them and enhancing what they can offer their fans and their craft yeah that's a good one i think i was talking about like how puma did really well but how under armor sucks uh because like under armor signed steph curry (laughs) but like under armor has not leveraged the greatest shooter of all time very well to make cheesy ass ads with him 
and then Puma on the other end doesn't even have like that top tier basketball talent, but their basketball division is popping off because they have like some cool stuff and they're just like signing the right people and they're like have input into culture. I think like with brands in the creator space, there's a lot of brands that try to push really dumb traditional marketing tactics on a creator, which defeats the whole purpose of working with the creator in the first place. Like you're working with these people because they've built a really good audience. And then some brands come in and they tell the creator how to talk to their audience. They tell them what verbiage to use. They tell them how to position a product to their audience rather than trusting them to know their audience and do it in a way that's organic. Now, the reason that that happens, because on the inverse side, the creator doesn't understand that the brand is trying to push a product. Most creators, if you went to them and said, how do you want to work with this brand? Their genuine answer in their heart would be, I want to get the most amount of money for the least amount of promotion because I don't want to promote (laughs) to my audience. And that's like a really dumb answer. It's really short sighted because you're like, oh, I just give me the bag and then just like, let me just like subtly place your product in my video. Um, The brand is never going to work with you again. So like, I think it requires both sides to go a little bit in the other, in the other's direction. I think it requires creators to say, okay, we're actually going to knock these integrations and partnerships out of the park. And what that means is that we got to get them to convert. We got to partner with brands we genuinely care about so that we're actually proud to convert people over to them. Um, And on the inverse side, I think once creators start doing that and somewhere simultaneously, brands need to start giving creative control to creators and trusting them with the money and saying, yo, here's the results that we want to see or here are the things that were like non-negotiables, but we're flexible with everything else. You decide how you want to position it. Just give it to us and let us green light it first so that we don't get too far in the process but we, are, we don't need to tell you how to say these words um, and put put it in like a commercial yep. voice. This has been fantastic. I, I feel like I, I've, I feel like I'm gonna I'm gonna edit. I'm gonna tell my editor to make <laughs> we're gonna make 40 clips from this video. <laughs> we're just gonna, I'm just gonna hit the internet over the head with with this content. <laughs> um, but yo, so I got I got one more. I got one more, and it's loaded, and, and it's not. So it's not gonna be easy here. Um, but like I'm thinking out loud, and I like going on the fly. Uh, and you know, I think it gives a little more energy to these these podcasts. But uh, I'm 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 seeing this conversation here, and I'm realizing you and I both, you know, we're fans of athletics. We're fans of team sports, and I think that's why. I, where my draw comes from for the creator economy because I feel like people that enjoy the creator economy the most like there's so many different roles that can make up a team uh, a creator's team you know you got you know the editors the behind the scenes guys the people doing the deals in front of the camera guys the, the whole squad that comes together and that's what makes it enjoyable of course yeah tennis is fun you know you can go and do you know you can go do you know your solo YouTube channel but like when it's a team it's it's a lot of fun building some a movement uh, a, a a bigger way to make an impact on a, on a lot of people. Now your role that you, that you've been playing the last couple of years is you know you you are a creator yourself, uh, but you're also a you know a manager. You're 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 a coach of sorts. You're you're a GM of sorts. So I'm curious if someone's sitting in their house right now and they want to get into that role, they want to be Zach where you are today, and they don't have an artist. They don't have a creator. They, they don't have any clients whatsoever. What are the first three steps that they need to take? What are the first three things that they need to do in the next week to get going? 
It's a great question. Uh, I think that they should find talent through the platforms that they want, right? So go and find really small creators on platforms like TikTok or YouTube um, that you like and think are doing things well, but that also have something that they're not doing that you can add value to um, and reach out to them, DM them and play the sheer numbers game. And I think there's also an element of like, if you DM and they don't answer, like try to find other ways to get in touch with them that are not like showing up at their house. You know what I mean? At 11 o'clock at night, like don't be creepy with it, <laughs> yeah. but, but also like be, be, be persistent. Like there's always that story of like, you know, scooter watching Justin on YouTube and then like not knowing how to reach out to this kid. So he's like looking at the freaking school board signs in the background and like calling up <laughs> school boards in Ontario being like, yo, does anyone know a Justin Bieber? And then finally getting in touch with the mom. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you got to be persistent to have the conversation. Um, and then I think like come to those conversations with value and a proposition, which like if you're a manager, like you should have a thesis on the industry and on the world or on even on that channel. Like, hey, I think, you know, shorts is the future of YouTube. So why are you not starting a shorts channel? Can I come on board and help you find an editor that will work for a percentage of whatever that I'll manage the whole thing. You just like, let me run with it and we'll run shorts together or, Hey, your YouTube channel has been growing. I'm sure you're tight on money. Why don't you take a bet with me? No strings attached 90 day trial. I'll try to get you brand deals and then see if you can get to a yes. And then like, you can let people know like, yo, I, my background is in nothing. I'm straight out of high school. But in high school, I, you know, I did these projects that were kind of interesting. So I know how to send cold emails or, you know, I built a bunch of like presentation decks so I can build a really good deck. So like, what do, what do you have to lose? I'll do it, blah, 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 blah. I'll run every email by you. And uh, like, if you want me to stop, I'll stop. And if you want me to keep going, I'll keep going. Just trying to make it so that you have like a no brainer way. Do that with a couple of creators, evaluate whether you really enjoy it. And then like double down if you do. And then move on to the next creator if you don't. Um, and I think that will eventually lead to you having a roster of talent. My man. Yo, thank you for the, uh, the master class today. Uh, I, I, I always appreciate our conversations. You cut out at the end there, but I'm super appreciative that you had me. Um, I love what you're doing with bonus footage and uh, everything. Uh, uh, creators are brands. Even though I told you I don't like that name, you ran with it. And uh, we'll see how it does for you. So far, it's been doing pretty well. So I'll eat my words. Um, I'm yo, yo, what you, you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny. I was uh, after that conversation. I, I loved it and I appreciate it. And that's why, you know, that was one where I was like, I pushed back because um, it just for, you know, a couple of reasons. The, the main one is I already recorded the first two episodes <laughs> and I was just like, oh, and I made the cover art. So I was just like, you know, what? I'm just going to run with it. Uh, but what I realized is it's it's a good way to get people in it, it like from the outside world to understand what I care about right away and and that's what's helped maybe I'll change it in six months who sure. knows but right now right now I'm just I'm just getting the reps in and, and having fun with these conversations bro I love it man uh, uh, awesome. uh, I'm, I'm down every time anytime you want to have a conversation all right all right you just opened up a whole can I appreciate you brother have a have a beautiful night